Oh, thank you. It's been our privilege to be in Lynn with Sue and Dave and the church there this weekend as we did a um, conference or seminar style, Heart Cry for Change. You'll notice there's some books outside. Gordon and I are based in Oxford, and when we moved to Oxford, it seemed that the Oxford bug of writing got hold of me. I should think much to my English teacher's dismay, as she told me to leave the English language well alone. Um, but I've now written nine books. There's three little devotions I've written here, and I just wanted to give them, I know, Sue, Sally, as a, something that you could maybe use in the sanctuary cafe, put on the table, whatever, but just let people pick them up and read them. You're very welcome. There's other books there. You're welcome to have a look on prayer, the prophetic, etc. but you're welcome. Maybe we can have the PowerPoint on that would just help. If you like following people and seeing what we're up to, there is the Facebook. This is our family. Tim, the birthday boy, has managed to escape the photograph, but our daughter Nicola is there on the left-hand side, our son David, with his wife Jenny, and we are the grandparents of three Aussie grandkids. So that's Leela, Cooper, and Ilani. Unusual names, but I'm learning them. I remember little Coops kept having to train me and say, no, it's not Lila, it's Leela Nanny. You have to say it properly. <laughs> and we now have an English grandchild. So that's our son's first little one. And she's called Annabelle. And so that's her two months old, believe it or not. So what am we going to speak about this morning? I'm going to talk about the growing seed. It's really interesting. It's almost, there's this little parable in Mark chapter 4. And when you read it, especially from my point of view, I'm a science teacher, science background, I'm a clinical biochemist, went into research and then ended up teaching. And there's certain things that you sort of do in year seven of secondary school, the bean sprout experiment, you put it in, give it some water, watch it grow. And it's almost like when you read this parable, you think, that's so obvious, is there anything in it? Well, I wonder if right at the beginning of 2015, if we can explore this little parable and see if maybe there's more in this few verses than maybe we've considered. So let's read it together. Mark 8, 26 to 29. One, two, three. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. And the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces it by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And it feels like sort of year seven biology class. There's a seed, there's a root, there's a sprout, there's a flower, there's a thing. Get the harvest, end of story. And you think... Okay, what is that in the Bible for? So let's have a little look. As you look at that, it describes four stages of growth, which I think reflect four seasons of life. 2015, I wonder if you've at the beginning of this year sort of thought, I want this to grow in my life. I'd like to see this advance, increase in my life. What's the stuff you would like to say, that should shift out, but this I really want to grow. There's a growth process. And often we're not very good at going the journey of growth. 
We want sort of the drive-through McDonald's syndrome, you know, give my order in my hand, eat it, done. But there's a journey. And I believe that's part of what this parable is about, is that as we do our journey with God and our journey of life, there are seasons and stages. And if we invest the right things at the right time, we get the right outcome. We get the harvest that we really want. So let's just look at the first stage. It says, first the seed sprouts. And some translations say, or the root, it is rooted or it sprouts. So the first stage is this root formation, which begins to the sprouting of the seed. Which season does this relate to? Well, maybe not the happiest. It's wintertime. It's when everything from a farmer's perspective, or maybe from your life perspective, you're looking at your life, say, this is a new year. I'm really pressing into God. God really helped me. But you look at your life and you think, well, it looks very quiet. What's going on? What's really happening in my world? It's wintertime. It starts with that small seed underground, buried, where you can sometimes be deceived into thinking nothing's happening. And one of the things I believe we have to really understand in our walk with Jesus is that every word, every promise comes in seed form, not in harvest formation. Luke chapter 8, the parable of the sower. It says, and the seed which the sower scattered was the word of God. And so you get maybe someone comes up to you and says, I really feel this year you're going to see a blessing in your family. Someone will get saved. I believe God wants to heal you. Or maybe you're reading your Bible and a verse jumps out and it's like a promise with a highlight pen. How many of you understand? relate to what I'm talking about. And it's like, yay, well, that is the seed, the word of God. And one of the annoying things is that the word of God or that promise of God comes in seed form. Maybe you see someone's life and you say, please pray for me. And often we expect them to give us the full harvest of like the bunch of bananas. But actually, when we pray for people, when the promise of God is given, it's never given in harvest form. It's given in seed form. So are we going to be good stewards of that seed? If you read your Bible, Genesis chapter 1, and it describes the formation of this, and it talks about the day of God. And often we get this promise, it's a new day, it's a new season, it's a new year, happy new year. And we think of these seasons of time, and in our mind, when we say, wow, it's a new day, We always think of that moment of the promise being given as going from negative to positive. But I find it interesting in Genesis chapter 1, verse 5, it says, And it was evening, and then became morning, and God called this the first day. Why am I saying that? What I'm trying to say is this seed... What happens to the seed? It doesn't go first to harvest. It first goes into darkness, into the fallow ground, into a dark place. And so often when the word of God comes, if you remember in um, Luke chapter 3, when Jesus was baptized, heaven opens. This is my son, my beloved son. You then read verse 1 of Luke chapter 4, and the devil appears. And what's the first thing he challenges Jesus with? He comes straight in the face of Jesus and if you are the son of God. What was the last word that God had said? This 
is my son, the first thing of challenge is if you are. You see, the word comes in seed form and it goes into a dark place where formation has to happen. It is a new day. It's a new year. Maybe there's a new season of expectation of promise. But are we going to be the courageous people that allow it to go into the ground, into the dark place? And work with it so that it begins to sprout and root. Are you going to take hold of that word, that sense of expectation? Say, okay, God, it's my new day. It is evening. What comes after evening? Night. And often it feels, how many of you have had that process with the word of God? You get this word and you go, yay, I've got a promise. And it feels like the lights go out. It goes from evening to night time, and then the dawn, and then the full day of the sun. Do you get what I'm... So the day of God is different. Sometimes we think when we get the word, it's like, whoa, I'm going to go straight to midday harvest time. And so in this parable, when he says, you've got a word, it's in a seed form. It's going to go maybe dark. It's evening. The day of God, that expectation... Are we going to be the courageous people that are ready to put it in the ground in winter time and wait for it to sprout and root? The incredible thing about this seed is that it carries the entire DNA and all the potential to complete the project and word. In that tiny seed, that tiny promise, that tiny word of God, everything is in that word to fulfill it and bring it to harvest. Isn't that fantastic? It might look small, but it's dangerous. But we've got to engage with it. It requires work. It requires an intentional attitude that says, I'm going to put this in my life and work with it. And it might feel a bit dark and a bit unclear, but there needs to be something from our life that says, I want this. The winter time is the time for the growth of roots. How many of you love your gardening? It's the time when you invest. If you like roses, put some muck around those roots. Put something to make the roots strong. In all the winds that we've got, secure. Make sure the underground is secure. You see, if we use these opportunities of the word of God, when we can't see anything but to understand underneath something's happening and develop that root system of faith, we'll find God can bless us. Let's look at Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. Can you read it with me? One, two, three. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water. They send out roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought, and it never fails. To bear fruit. You see, this winter season, when we can be deceived into thinking, where's God? He's left me. If we will hold fast to that word and develop those roots of faith, actually, that becomes our nutrition source for the life ahead. And again and again, all of life will try and wrestle our confidence and say, just like with Jesus, but God just promised me, The next knocking on your door so often is that voice of doubt. Really? You? Now? Here? You sure? 
How do you know it will happen for you? It's like all hell breaks loose. You should take it as a compliment. It most probably means the word is right. Because if you're being hunted down to get that word pickpocketed from you, then the devil must be worried that you're going to engage with it. We have to fight a good fight of faith. I have two brothers, and I used to watch them, you know, in the arm wrestling. And there was that point when baby brother was nearly going to overtake big brother, and you would watch nothing would be moving, but everything was straining. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And there are those times in our spiritual life when we can feel nothing shifting, but we're hanging on with everything. And God says, come on, root it, ground it. Because it's in these tough seasons that we really discover where our life is anchored. Root it. Don't be uprooted. How, how are we rooted? What are we rooted in? Well, let's read Ephesians 3, 16 to 20. One, two, three. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have this power to understand, as all God's people should, How wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So in this season, when you're carrying those words that haven't come, It is rooted season. Rooted in what? Rooted in the love of God. My daddy loves me. And unless you're rooted, you're never going to be fruited. Isn't that true? How many have been very eager in the garden center? You've bought potted plants, but you've never really taken the time to properly root them. And so you never see the benefit of all the fruit. And so often these times of wintertime, when, when it's blowing, it's cold, etc., we can't see it on the surface if we don't engage in that love of God. We can miss actually what God is doing. So right at the beginning of 2015, maybe you come into this year with a bit of disappointment. Maybe there's some stuff that says, yeah, well, nothing happened. Maybe I can irritate you an irritating woman from Oxford. But irritate your way of thinking and just say, okay, I need to change my thinking. Actually, I need to take hold, not let go. I need to root this ground. I need to put the roots down and say, no, my daddy loves me. I had someone once say to me, he said, Rachel, I believe God's got a word for you. He wants you to comfort the afflicted. And I thought, yeah, that's nice. And then he said, but he wants you to afflict the comfortable. So my excuse for being irritating. Maybe where we just got comfortable, we just said, oh, well, I'm going to step back. God's saying, no, in this winter season, be tenacious, be intentional. God, help me be rooted in you. The first season. Then after the seed sprouting and rooting, the second one is the shoot or the blade. And this is springtime. 
have a chocolate Labrador, we have a chocolate Labrador called Dibley. Gordon being the vicar of St. Aldate's for many years. The students liked it. But uh, we love walking over the fields. And it's like it looks a muddy heap, but as you step back, you know what I mean. You can just see that green, that vivid green of the shoot breaking through. And you know springtime is coming. Something begins to break. And out of that season of winter, where you know you've been carrying a promise inside, but you can't see any evidence on the outside, suddenly you think, ooh, something's beginning to happen. It's the breakthrough season. Out of the winter, suddenly those dreams that have been very internal and secret and hidden suddenly begin to become more displayed. New revelation begins to come for your life. Springtime has come. What is springtime? Well, I believe springtime is a time for great expectations. God begins to wake up that hope. Again and again, we see those pictures, you know, hope, and you get the little snowdrop through the ground in snowy things. And it's that sort of picture. Wow. Out of the hardened place, suddenly life is coming. Often when we thought, it never happened to me, I can't see it being birthed, but I believe God is wanting to say to us, come on, don't let go of your confidence. Hold fast. Those promises which you almost think have gone past their sell-by date, we need to come back and say, no, God, it was a living word. Your seed is active. I take hold of it in the ground. And Father, I can see the breakthrough coming. And it doesn't come straight to harvest. It's just those thin little bits of grain. And you think, something's shifting. You see that in the story in 1 Kings 18 of the prophet Elijah. He's been up Carmel. He's challenged the prophets. He comes down from Mount Carmel and he's been praying for rain. He's prayed seven times and suddenly his servant comes back and he says, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. How many know when your nation has been in drought for three and a half years, a cloud the size of a man's hand is not enough to bring the rain to reverse the curse of drought. But you see, this prophet could see that tiny cloud the size of a man's hand was enough for the breakthrough that did come. And so often, because the breakthrough only comes as a tiny little blade through a barren ground, we miss it because we're waiting for the big breakthrough. And it's actually just a tiny little, is that a blade coming through or not? Is it green or is it still chocolate? Do do you get what I'm saying? We miss it because the breakthrough doesn't look like what we expected. How many of you have discovered that you're carrying a word of God and then when it begins to come, it often doesn't look like what you thought it would look like. And then it's a bit later you look back and say, oh, this is that. Oh, that was that promise. Oh, and we have a... Eureka moment. And that is springtime. God wants you to have great expectation. God wants you to be pregnant with that word and then begin to say, yeah, this is it. I just really feel that God wants you to know that in this time of great expectations, there is a reaping. I was reading in the week, um, Zechariah chapter 9, 12. And it was in the New Living Translation. And it just leapt out the page. He says, I will repay you two blessings for each of your troubles. How many would like that promise? (laughs) 
I'm, you know, a Rachel sort of thing. Well, I'll give you double for all your trouble. I will give you two blessings for all your trouble. Great expectations. God, I believe this is a time when we're going to see a shift, a change. We see this in Song of Songs, chapter 2, verse 10. Can you read it with me? One, two, three. My love said to me, rise up, my darling. Come away with me, my fair one. Look, the winter is past. The rains are over and gone. The flowers are springing up. The season of singing birds has come. And the cooing of the turtle doves fills the air. The fig trees are forming the young fruit. And the fragrant grapevines are blossoming. Rise up, my darling. Come away with me, my Pharaoh. For some of you, I just felt that God wants to say, it's, you know, you've been in a long, hard winter. There have been dreams and hopes, and the land has felt very frozen. But he sent an irritating girl from Oxford to say, come on, springtime, change of season, change of sound. Don't listen to all the negative. Take hold of those words inside. And even though you can't see the full manifestation, begin to say, yeah, I still can see it. I can still smell it. I can still hear it. I had the privilege of being in Dublin ministering in October at the end of last year. And as I concluded the service, a girl called Claire came up to me. And she said, do you remember me? And I said, yes and no, I'm not sure. And she said, let me remind you. And she told me how I had been there the previous year in 2013. And as I had been ministering, I just, and it was this random phrase which I've used today. I just saw her sitting there and I just said, I don't know who you are, sweetheart. But I just feel that Jesus would like to say to you, this is a new season. It's double for all your trouble. And she looked a bit tearful. And um, she had a young guy sitting next to her. And he sort of smiled. And I just carried on. And as the service was coming to the end, I said, I don't know why this is important. But I feel that Jesus would really love you. And she was sitting about where you were. Maybe it's for you too. <laughs> and I um, just said, I feel it's really important that you hear the sound of God that he wants to give you double for all your trouble. And at that point, the young guy sitting next to her, didn't it was, really gripped her knee, looked slightly worried. And at the very end of the service, as we came to prayer, I said, just receive that word today. This is a double for your trouble time. Well, in the October, as I was standing there, this Claire in front of me, she's got two little girls either side, twins, that are four months. She said, you ha- this is my double for all my travel. <laughs> I wasn't sure if that was a bit more trouble on top. And I said, what was it? She said, I came to church that morning. I'm not really a religious person, didn't really know Jesus, but my mum had persuaded me I should listen to you. So I came with my husband. We have tried to have children. I had just had my fourth miscarriage. And I just thought it was the end. And every time you said you're going to give double. And she said, the funny thing was, it had been our wedding anniversary. And I said to my husband, I'm getting a bit old now. I don't want a baby. I need a family. I need to catch up. (laughs) 
And so when I said double, the husband was now getting real worried. Oh no, it's going to be those twins that she keeps talking about. Hence the great gripping of the knee. And sure enough, she had little twin girls. Both of them have come and found Jesus. And out of that place of darkness and difficulty, great expectations had come in many ways. Winter time, the hidden season. When you've got a word, that seed that's like an irritant, sand in the oyster that that you know should become a pearl. Don't give up because it looks dark. Springtime, then the shoot. Great expectation. Let hope arise. Cherish it, nurture it. Third season, now the flowers appear or the head appears. This is summertime. Suddenly, We're out of the darkness, the feels warm, feels great, smells sweet, flowers are around. Suddenly this is a time of rapid growth. But the Bible is really interesting about summertime. Summertime is almost sweet and sour. It's that sweet because wow, it smells great, feels great, love it. Winter and darkness is gone. I feel a bit more independent, a bit more capable. I can it feels like life is good. But again and again in summertime, we are warmed. Be very careful when it looks like it's going great because you're nearly there, but you could so quickly miss it. Just look here in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9. Just read it with me again. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart As long as you live, teach them to your children and to their children after them. And there's this sense of don't grow familiar with precious things. Because in summertime, everything seems easy. It grows easy. How many of you know you're out there chopping, cutting that grass? You know, wintertime, yay, don't have to even look at it. Suddenly, summertime, you think, Can I do it every week? And it's like, seriously, what's going on with this grass? Maybe every five days. You know, suddenly everything's growing. It's not a struggle to make stuff happen. And then it's very easy to forget the winter time, the struggle time. Think, yeah, we've got this sorted now. I can make this grow. It's looking great. Um, Aren't I good? And there's a great sense in the Bible that there's a danger. Because you see, it's not yet harvest time. This is the season just before you really reap the harvest. And so often in our lives, just when we're nearly there to really birth the promise, rather than the Isaac, the promise of God, we have the Ishmael, which is our good idea rather than the God idea. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And so summertime can be a great time, but dangerous. And there's such a warning. Do life well, enjoy it. But remember, it's God that blessed you. It's Colin led us in the prayers. You know, we suddenly get in our 21st century world, yeah, we've got this sorted. We can make life. We can do it. We've got our world in hand. But then if we step back a bit reflective is, well, are we as clever as we think we are? Are we actually messing this planet up more than we're blessing it? Look at Song of Songs, chapter 215. Just read this with me. Catch for us the foxes. The little foxes that ruin the vineyards are vineyards that are in bloom. And here is the verse after that one. You know, winter is past, singing is come, blooming's becoming. And then it says, "Uh uh-oh, be careful, watch out, there's little foxes. 
Now, you see, there's the vineyards. It doesn't say the vineyards are in grape. It's not harvest time. The vineyards are in flower. So first we have the root, then we have the shoot, then we have the flower, then we have the fruits. This is that season just before. Wow, done it, nailed it. And it says, come on, catch the little foxes. Why? Because it's in these moments when we're nearly there that just little things, character defects, relationships, how many of you know you've been birthing, praying together, really dreaming together, you've got a great team, everything seems to be going, you've gone through the hard winter time of believing God for money and getting the project up and running, you've put your shoulders together, you've done the sweat, blood and tears, do you get what I'm saying? You're beginning to see those first little shoots breaking through, you think, yeah, we can see it, then suddenly... You know, Fred isn't talking to Ruth and this one's now annoyed with this one. Do you get what I'm saying? And all heaven and hell. And suddenly, just before you're really going to harvest the fruit, it's like it begins to fall apart. Catch those little foxes. Catch the attitudes. Catch the things that are going to disturb it and ruin you. Because God wants us not only to see and smell the beautiful flowers, He wants us, finally, to have the fruit. This is harvest time. The root, the shoot, the flower, the harvest. You see, I believe God wants us to enjoy the harvest. Here we see in Joel chapter 2, 19, if you read it with me, and I'm sending you the grain, new wine, and olive oil, Enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nation. God says, I'm changing that barren season. I'm going to give you harvest. It's really interesting to look at the harvest, grain. Now, the wheat or the grain harvest is an annual harvest. Would you agree? You plant that every year and you reap it. It's interesting. The wine or vineyard, from seed to harvest. I was talking to some people in France, and they said to actually from a seed, because not many times do you actually grow a vineyard from seed, but from a seed to a stock that could produce a grape you could use in wine, is between eight to ten years, apparently. So that's a decade harvest, quite interesting. So God says, come on, there's different harvests. Some we get every year, but there are some things where we actually, from seed form, that first promise, it takes a decade before we really reach. Do you get what I'm saying? Now, oil, olive groves, how do many of you realize from seed to an olive grove where you can get that virgin oil, how many you can see? That's a long time. Chatting to the people in Greece, obviously there's other ways to advance this today, but they said it used to take between 35 to 40 years to get a really established olive grove where you got extra virgin oil from seed to the harvest of extra oil. Why? Main reason is that those roots of an olive tree had to go through some really severe frosts and winters and go through a bit of hell. Does that sound familiar to anyone? And then it had to have another generation of shoots grafted into it before it becomes really fruitful. In other words, there's a journey and a process different harvests. I believe our lives should be fruitful every year. Something should be growing and shifting. But I believe there's decades where we look back 
And as I come to close, you see, I believe one of the things that the enemy is very good in our lives at doing is he makes us look at the wrong time zone for the harvest. You know, you can really be praying for something. God, 2015, I really want this to shift. And you're really praying for it. Maybe it's an anger issue or whatever. And it's like you're praying for it and the devil is sort of straight on your shoulder like that little parrot. And he's there and saying, oh yeah, look at you. You lost your rag on the road just a few minutes ago with that idiot driving. You haven't changed. And it's like he always puts you back to the wrong time zone. And sometimes, you see, we've got to recognize the harvest time. No, I wonder, before you go out today, take a moment, reflect. What has shifted in your life this year? Where have been the upgrades? But what has shifted in your life in 10 years? How many of you can look back 10 years and say, yeah, actually, something's really shifted? And the devil can look at you and say, you never change, you're still miserable, you're still mean, or you're still fearful, or, and he tags you. But if you look back the right season, you can see the shift. My story is of the goodness of God, is that when you get hold of his promises and you begin to look, God says to you, Leviticus, I will look on you with favor. I will make you fertile. I will multiply you. I will fulfill my covenant with you. And you will have such a surplus of harvest crops that you will need to move them out to make room for a new harvest. Isn't that awesome? And so as you look at your life and the simple thing of a seed, there's rooting time. Don't despise that when there doesn't seem a lot to show. Dig in. There's great expectation, hope time. Dream. There's flower and freedom time. Enjoy, but don't grow familiar. There's harvest time. Count the harvest. Look at it. And don't get trapped looking at the wrong thing. Because I believe God wants to leave you with this word. Jeremiah 31, 12. And you shall come and shout for joy. Read it with me. On the heights of Zion, they will rejoice in the bounty of the Lord. The grain, the new wine, and the olive oil, the young flocks and herds, they will be like a well-watered garden, and they will sorrow no more. I believe God wants to say to you right at the beginning of 2015, don't let go. Engage. And let those seeds grow. Water them. Even if it feels like, I'm not sure. This is a new day. And it's harvest time. Why don't we come and pray? Worship team, maybe you can help me. Maybe you'd like to stand with me as we come. Oh, I've done pretty well. I always say I'm an English girl when I start, African girl when I finish. But I've not been too bad. Why don't you stand with me? And this morning, as we just come, I want you to look at your life and see it as that field of God. And I want you to look at Jesus. 
And the thing is, you're never really going to have a very fruitful or productive life unless Jesus is in the right place, right in the center. And so often we can come to church and we have God in our world and in our understanding. But if we're really, really honest, he's not in the center place. He's not our pivot point around which our life revolves. So if we really want to maximize life, we have to center it on Jesus. Going to church or coming to church will never save you. No church died for you. No church can save you. You have to come to Jesus. It's when you've come to Jesus and you've really taken hold of his life in your life and planted that seed of Jesus in your world, then the ripple effect really begins to happen. And sometimes we know we've done that, but then if we have maybe moments like this that that we can consider and think, actually, I've got a bit offended, got a bit tired, got a bit overwhelmed. And if I'm really honest, I've just pushed Jesus out. But today I need to just get rid of some of my fears and say, okay, God, I want life maximized. Will you help me? My testimony is being that God is good to me. As I said earlier, I gave my life to Jesus as four years old. I've had to again and again have moments of dedication where I've said, God, I really want this to count in my life. I don't want my hands to be cluttered with various offenses or other things. I want to take a grip of God. God, you and I together for life maximized. And as we root ourselves into him, then our life will fruit. So just take a moment. And if you just know this is my moment and you need to take a grip of God in a new way in your life, I just want to ask you to do something very simple. It's not so much for me, it's for you. I want you to put your hand to heaven and say, God, I'm taking a grip today. I need you in my world. Just put that hand up to heaven. Just imagine you're taking hold and say, God, you and I together, I need you in my world in a whole new way. And as you do that, I want it to be that grip of faith. God, I believe you're going to help me. God, I'm sorry where I've just let go, but today I'm taking hold in Jesus' name. And I wonder if we could just pray this together. One, two, three, just say it after me. Father, today, I ask you to help me keep you in the right place in my life. I'm sorry for the poor choices that I have made. Please forgive me. I thank you for every word every promise you have spoken to me. Help me take a grip, (laughs) plant them, water them, birth them, and harvest them for your glory. In Jesus' name. And everyone say, Amen. Well, why don't we just sing a song? If you would like someone to pray with you this morning, because maybe you've been walking on that journey of life and it's felt a bit tough and hard. That winter has felt far too long. 
and you just want someone to pray with you. Gordon and I know others, elders and other people here. Sarah, we just love to pray for you because I believe the church is a family. And as we just worship, feel free just to come forward and we would love that opportunity. Please, Lord. We would love to just pray with you.